0: Welcome to another edition of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman. It's officially episode 21, and it's a special episode 21. Obviously, it's the first one being episode 21. So we're over the 20-episode mark. The last one included an incredible episode with none none other than the IMSA legend himself, Scott Pruitt. That was an amazing interview. So far, I've been able to just have a lot of guys on the show, including Scott Pruitt. Or said the legendary road course rainer himself. Obviously, then James Hinchcliffe, Connor Daly, Mario Andretti, the big one there, and Alan Bestwick. And we got plenty more of guys to come, but today we're just talking some NASCAR. Since the uh, new launch of uh, Behind the Catch Fence, new logos, new everything, you know, making a more clean look and just expanding out into the world of NASCAR and motorsports in general. So today will be the NASCAR finale. But before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to no copyright music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them. No copyright music. We're just going to jump right into it today, guys. It is the NASCAR playoffs is what we're talking about. Championship four from Phoenix International Raceway. Uh, It was Jimmy Johnson's final NASCAR race, the seven-time champion, an 83 career win driver, legendary man himself. We'll never see a guy like him again. Uh, the championship for battle between Brad Kozlowski, Chase Elliott, Danny Hamlin, and Joey Logano would come down all the way to the wire. Uh, Chase Elliott would have to start at the back after failing pre-race inspection twice, but he would drive all the way through the field and absolutely dominate the race, leading 153 laps of the 312 that were run and notching his first career NASCAR Cup Series championship for Hendrick Motorsports. Elliott would cap off a memorable 5-win season, including wins back-to-back in the final two races to become the youngest driver to ever win a championship in 25 years. So that's a big deal. Now moving on, you guys know what it is. It's coming back officially, guys. Winners and losers from Phoenix. We got two winners and two losers. We'll go over those guys. So first off, winner number two, Jimmy Johnson for Hendrick Motorsports. I could easily put someone else in the slot like a championship contender or another driver that ran really well on Sunday, but I have to put Jimmy in. It's only fitting. In his 686th and final start in NASCAR, Johnson ran arguably his best race all season, crossing the line as the first non-championship driver in fifth place. It was only fitting that Jimmy was able to share one final moment with teammate and newly crowned champion Chase Elliott on the front stretch after the race was over with a handshake and a passing of the torch-esque moment. Johnson was able to soak up and enjoy his final race, surrounded by his friends and family and endless other people from the sport that made an impact on him over the years. I'll have a special episode coming up in the next couple weeks, looking back on Jimmy Johnson's incredible NASCAR career, so just make sure to tune in for that when it's released. It should be out in the next couple, maybe three weeks or so. Uh, We'll talk about this his NASCAR career, and then as he moves forward into IndyCar, we might have a special guest for uh, one of the episodes coming up as well, so you guys will have to look out for that. And now time for winner number one, drum roll, please. Chase Elliott for Hendrick Motorsports, your 2020 NASCAR Cup Series champion. The Dawsonville, Georgia native had a lot of hype to live up to coming into the cup a couple years ago, back in 2015 and 16, with his Hall of Fame father, Bill Elliott, etching his mark on the sport with 44 wins, two Daytona 500s, I think three Southern 500 trophies, one Brickyard 400 win, and of course a championship. I mean, despite the critics and the constant nagging of, he chokes wins away, Chase shut down all the critics over the final two weeks of the season and he just straight-up dominated the final two races, leading nearly 48% of the laps. Could be a little bit of a homage there to Jimmy Johnson, number 48. But if it wasn't for having a start at the rear of the field in Phoenix, Elliott could have easily raised that number up of just laps led even more. Martinsville and Phoenix, and quite frankly, the entire playoffs, were just a glimpse of what I believe is the launching point of an astounding career. Elliott's always been a special talent in the sport. Ever since he entered into the Truck Series, he's able to get that win up in Canada, Taking out Ty Dillon in the process in the final quarter, that was a little glimpse of what's to come in the series. Uh, Then obviously went up into winning the championship in the Xfinity Series at just 18 years old. That was incredible to watch. Uh, He always has just had the it factor, and that is just so rare in the sport. And the most recent driver that had that it factor? Jimmy Johnson. It was a pivotal and monumental moment in NASCAR's history after Phoenix, with Johnson congratulating Elliott with that handshake. Now, before I continue, nobody will ever replace Jimmy Johnson. That's nearly impossible. But, and the, big, and the big thing is but, there are so many similarities between Johnson and Elliott that it's just not, it's not quite ludicrous to compare them. They both have the more quiet, humble way about them that won't just, and they won't show their cards until they're on track. Just throughout his entire career, Jimmy Johnson just never really struggled on any type of track, and he always managed to find a way to grind out top fives and grind out those top tens, even if a track like Watkins Glen wasn't ever his real son- his strong suit. And the same goes for Chase Elliott. Obviously, there's a lot of tracks he hasn't won at yet, but looking down the schedule, I really don't see a weak track for Elliott. Recently, Richmond was mentioned as a weaker track for that entire team when the playoff started, but what does Elliott do but go out and just put together his best finish at Richmond with a fifth there? In Johnson's prime, there was an undisputed known fact that no matter the track, teams better make sure to bring their A game because more than likely, that 48 team would flat out beat you in handedly if you weren't prepared enough. The driving styles of both Elliott and Johnson are so undeniably similar. They always run smart, but on the offensive at all times. Rarely do you see crumbled up sheet metal at the end of races on either of their cars because they know how to take care of equipment in a way that they can still get the maximum performance out of each car. With that moment after the race in Phoenix, Chase Elliott officially became the next legendary driver for years to come at Hendrick Motorsports. He's learned under Johnson for the past five years, seen how Jimmy carries himself, and he knows how winning is done officially. The 24 year old has been groomed and taught by his father Bill Elliott and revolutionary drivers like Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. It's officially Chase Elliott's time to begin his reign as NASCAR's next revolutionary superstar. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> it's that time that nobody likes to be on this list, but it's time for the losers of the week, Phoenix Edition and Championship Edition. So loser number two have to start off with Brad Keselowski for Team Penske. In all honesty, it was tough putting Brad here, but, but man, Phoenix had to stain after swapping the lead back and forth with Elliott for a handful of laps and just looking like the only car that could really compete with Chase over a longer period of time on that on like every single run. Kislovsky, in my eyes, has always kind of underperformed when it counts the most these past couple seasons. I mean, yeah, he'll have a great season leading up to the playoffs, win three or four times, and solidly slot himself in the top five or six in points. But then he just seems to taper off as the playoffs get down to the wire. Sure, he won in Richmond, but outside of that lone win in the playoffs, his average finish in the playoffs this season was 11.1, which was the worst among the championship four. Kislovsky will always be a consistent and get you wins every year, he'll be consistent all the time but it says he simply hasn't wowed me enough to say that he's a legitimate threat to win a second title anytime soon ah, and here we go loser number one of the NASCAR Championship 4 edition of the playoffs ah, I can't I hate to do it to him but loser number one drum roll please Denny Hamlin the Joe Gibbs racing driver I begin with Denny in terms of championship slipping away. The past two seasons look to be extremely promising with just making it into the championship four both times, but after two years in a row of finishing fourth out of four in the title hunt, I can't help but have to slot him in as our number one loser of the week. You can look back to 2014 when Hamlin was in the inaugural championship four and found himself mired back in third out of the four contenders watching Kevin Harvick get his first career championship. You could also look back to 2010 when he and his team squandered his best chance at a championship after going into the final race of the season with the points lead even. Just to put it bluntly, Hamlin's championship track record has been nothing short of devastating. Hamlin's a proven winner. 44 wins, 33 poles, 3 Daytona 500 wins, 2 Southern 500 wins to his name. I I just can't even imagine how difficult it has to be for him to have that many opportunities to slip away. 16 years in and still no championship? Oh, man, absolutely brutal. What makes it even worse is the fact that for the majority of the regular season, it was the Hamlin and Harvick show. It just seemed like nobody was going to be able to catch either of them. All of a sudden, the playoffs roll around, and both drivers end up falling short of the cup. On the bright side, though, Hamlin's best days seem to be on the horizon. I mean, statistically, Hamlin's best seasons of his career have come the past two years, which includes 13 wins total. I mean, there's plenty of room for optimism going forward, but man, this is going to sting for a little bit. All right, guys, it's time for a new segment. It's called Rant of the Week. It's where me, myself, David Hoffman, goes on a rant and talks about stuff that just genuinely pisses me off in the sport of NASCAR and IndyCar. So here we go. Here's the topic. The playoff format, in my opinion, is perfect the way it is. I've heard a lot of talk recently and a lot of complaining about how the playoff format is flawed, how newly crowned champion Chase Elliott wasn't as deserving as other guys like Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick because they had more wins, blah, blah, blah. I just find it hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Every single year, first off, there's always one pissed-off fan base or a group of fans that call the playoffs rigged for different reasons. Now, this year, since NASCAR's most popular driver wins the title and, mind you, spanked the field in the last two weeks of the playoffs, he's all of a sudden undeserving? NASCAR specifically made the playoff format the way it is because the fans wanted something fresh, and they didn't want a runaway champion that made the racing less interesting towards the latter part of the season. They wanted the championship fight to go all the way down to the wire in the final race. Winner take all. Simple as that. NASCAR did their job perfectly and gave the fans exactly what they wanted. Now, y'all are going to complain for no reason whatsoever. I mean, you might say, well, David, Hamlin or Harvick had more wins. They dominated the regular season. One of those two should have gotten it. Well, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but just to put it simple, Hamlin and Harvick severely underperformed when it mattered the most. Going into the round of eight, Harvick had over a 50-point cushion and wound up coming out on the other end, missing the championship four. That is solely and nobody else's fault but on the entire number four car team. Nobody else. It's inexcusable, and I don't want to hear about the regular season champion participation trophy ever again. It's absolutely pointless. and yeah, it gives, the, gives the, you know the team whoever gets it just a little bit extra money, but you know what? the regular season championship, nobody cares about it. No one gives a crap about it. and I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. I mean, yeah, like when you look back at like the Xfinity series this past season, Austin Sindrick for Team Penske, he won the regular season championship and then went on to win the championship. That's fine. It's called they worked hard and they pushed for it and they made sure that they were ready every single race in the playoffs. And the thing is, they they prepared for it. They were good to go. That's completely fine. It's the fact of the matter that just when it comes to crunch time and big playoff moments, I want to know this. How do you handle adversity, pressure, and intense competition? It brings out the best and the worst in drivers. You want to go out there and win a championship? Go put together the best 10-race stretch of your life with 15 other hungry competitors, and try to get out on top. The best of the best will always rise to the occasion. Kevin Harvick nor Denny Hamlin were good enough when it counted the most. The only thing that Chase Elliott did was put that number nine car team on his back with their backs against the wall and dug deeper than anyone else in that playoffs did. He rose to the occasion and came out on the other end of it as an undisputed champion. End of discussion. I'm done with talking about that. Well, didn't expect to go that off off the handle, but hey, sometimes you just got to get people in their places, just a little bit. But anyway, next week we go over the IndyCar season finale in St. Petersburg, where they crowned a champion in Scott Dixon. In one of the craziest races that I've ever seen, I'll give my full thoughts on what was the perfect way to end a tumultuous season with the impacts of the pandemic. Now make sure to tune in next week for that. We also, just a little bit of a heads up, we might have a special guest on the show, so... You guys have to look out for that. He'll give his expert analysis on the season. And Let's just say he has a little bit of insider information. <laughs> but we're just about out of time for today's episode, so look out for more interviews and content over the next couple weeks. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. Thank you guys for listening. This is your host, David Hoffman, signing off.